Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to the Snooker Scene Podcast. I'm Dave Hendon. My guest this week is Mark Williams, twice world champion, winner of many tournaments, and most importantly, of course, Twitter legend. Mark, I know you're not a great fan of interviews, so thanks for doing this. Um, Anything I, for you, Dave. Well, thank you. I always start by asking people how they got into snooker, so what was your introduction? Oh, God. Um, I, I first remember it, I think it was my father playing in a, in a tournament in, a, in the Institute. It was just like a Christmas thing they had, and it was for all the miners. Uh, they used to get together and I just used to watch that and uh, just got into it. It was on the TV then. Pop, I think it was Pop Black or something like that was on and uh, I just, I don't know why, but I just lo- loved watching it and then I think my mother and father bought me a six-foot table which uh, from then on, that, that was it. I was just playing it as much as I can, really. Mm. But you also did a bit of boxing, didn't you, when you were a kid? Yeah, I was doing I was doing boxing probably uh, the same time as something probably... Uh, even a bit more. Um, you know, I, I had about I think it was had sixteen fights actually. Um, I was only a junior little one, and and uh, I, I won them all, didn't lose one. Uh, but I always remember the the last fight they had was my opponent never turned up, and there was another fella's opponent didn't turn up, and they come and asked me, and we decided to get in with each other, and just like a like an exhibition kind of thing. And he was probably about a stone and a half. Two stone heavier than me, but it was only a little exhibition thing. And uh, my God, every time he jabbed me, punched me, it was like someone hit me, hit me with a brick. And uh, and I woke up with uh, two black eyes. I think it was cut severe. And I thought, Phew, I don't know if this is for me. Yeah. And that's the last time I was I was in a ring. Then thank God. But you were in an area in Wales where obviously the, the junior snooker scene was quite thriving, wasn't it? So you had a lot of competition. How how quickly did you improve? Um, I, th- I improved quite quick because I, I played in a. In uh, the Emporium Club in Bargood, where there was, quite at the time, there was probably 10 to 12 people practicing here, and everyone was a 147 breaker. Mm. And, you know, I used to get absolutely bashed up by everybody, especially, uh, you know, Ian Sargent used to give me some bashings, Paul Dawkins, Richard Hodges, all them kind of people, and he was just bashing me up day in, day out, but I kept going back every day, and he used to wind me up. Like you wouldn't believe. I mean, you probably couldn't wind anyone up like they used to back then. He'd be classed as bullying now. But uh, <laughs> well, you do your best in fairness. But you know. Well, yeah, that, that's how I brought that. I mean, you know, if you'd done stuff like that now, people would go off crying and say, you know, he picked it on me or something. But you know, it, it toughened me up. And yeah. I know eventually, you know, I started taking frames, getting closer, getting closer, and eventually, at the time I was probably fourteen, fifteen, I was, I was beating them all, mm. and. It was funny because when I used to beat them all, they, they didn't want to play me then. It was only to be fake, uh, Sarge that kept playing me, kept playing me, and he was the he was the hardest one to beat. And 
once I did beat him a few times. I used to bash him up all the time then, but he was the only one that kept coming back, mm. wanted to play me. But you know, once you're playing around players like that, it was one four seven breakers. I mean, you're about to get on. We used, we used to play in the Romney Valley League, one frame singles. We had seven players on our side, five play, and seven of us were one four seven breakers. Mm. And you know, we was winning the league, you know, with ease all the time. But you know, it, it was playing with people like that. It definitely helped me improve a lot quicker than I would have. So you turned pro when you were 17. What was that like? Did you did you feel you were ready? Because obviously in, that, in those days it was open. You just sort of um, paid your money, didn't you? And well, turned well, up. It, it was funny because I was winning the junior tournaments I think, in, in the Welsh and I was winning all the under-16s and stuff. And, and I was 17 and at the, at the time they made the Welsh junior tournaments 16 and under and the Welsh seniors tournaments 18 and over. Hmm. So I couldn't play anything. <laughs> yeah. yeah, nice, isn't it? <laughs> nice of them. And... Uh, I couldn't play anything, I couldn't play in under 16s and obviously over 18s. I, I didn't really have much chance, choice but the turn pro. I mean, if I could have played in one of them, I don't know whether or not I would have done or not. But, you know, my manager at the time, Clive Coulthard, who really took me under his wing since I was 12, decided to turn me pro then. And uh, obviously it was a good move, but I didn't really have much much choice. What was, it like at, what was it like at the Norbrecht? Because you spent a lot of time there, didn't you? Well, it was, um, I mean, probably the first year was. I suppose it was brilliant, really. As a young boy, I was travelling up there for three months, staying me and my mate Sarge, we used to, and the bloke, Les Griffiths, used to drive us around. We had a, a one-bedroom flat. Les used to sleep on a sofa, and I used to sleep in a double bed with Sarge. That's mm. how he was for three months, and the first year was probably brilliant. I'm young, I'm going up there and yeah. playing players, months, playing every day, ten matches in a tournament, really, just to get through to the last 32, and it was good, but after... You know, 12 months of that or a couple of years, I started getting a, you know, a nightmare. Now, every time someone mentions Blackpool now, I just <laughs> go shivery at the knees. <laughs> so, do you remember the first time you played on TV? What was what was that match? Can you remember? Um, no, I can't. I can't really. The only really match from back then I can really remember is playing in the last 16, and it was the Belgium Open playing Darren Morgan. Mm. And... Uh, it was four all. I think I was only eighteen. I think something like that. It was four all, and I think I had a sixty break in the last. And uh, I was fifty odd up in the decider, or sixty odd up in the decider. And he's done it anyway. Great dish. Potted the black. I'm storming all over this silly walk. <laughs> Grabbed my hand and thought he would try to take it off, and said, <laughs> and said to me, "You made my Christmas now," and walked off and. That's always, always stuck in my mind, and I've always always said I'll, I'll get him back for that. And let's just say you haven't beat me since. <laughs> but what was it like playing at the venues? Because obviously the Norbrek, you know, you're a professional, but you're not part of the actual tournaments, they're just qualifiers. Mm. Did you feel comfortable once you started getting to the venues? Not really. It, it took a while because once you're playing up in Blackpool for like three months, you're playing ten games in one tournament, then you go to the next tournament, and you go right the way through, and then you go back to the first tournament if you're qualified, and the seeds come in. And I was beating the seeds in Blackpool. When I was getting to the venue, it was totally different. You know, the lightning was different. There was a lot of crowd there. There was no crowd in Blackpool unless you went for all it was decided with all the other players used yeah. to vulture in then and, <laughs> and watch and see who get beat. But as I got the venue, there was a lot of people there. The lights are totally different. And it did take me a while to adjust to all that. Mm. Uh, it was totally different uh, playing in Blackpool. You were sort of on people's radar as a, as a rising star, but until you win a tournament, no one's quite sure, you know, whether you are the real deal, real deal or not. You did win 
your home event, didn't you? The Welsh Open '96. That was your first ranking event. What, what are your memories of that? Uh, my memories was, uh, you know, obviously, I remember a couple of victories going through. Was uh, beating John Parrott in the final as my first mm. final, and uh, I think I won nine three. So it wasn't mm. really too much pressure on me in the semis. I think I won six one. The only reason I know this is because I got where I practice. I've got. Uh, the actual tournament right. with all, everyone who played in it mm. in a frame by my secretary in the club so uh, I won it quite easy the final which was brilliant for my first one and, you know and I'm not sure if I beat Willie Thorne along the way and, yeah he always said you know you'll never win another tournament and I'll be the only one he wins and I think because your, you your highest break was it was something like seventy six and, and and but of course it's not just about that is it it's about winning the close frames it's about actually being able to do it under pressure and all the rest of it yeah yeah they, they say my my highest break was only seventy odd which it was I mean you know I probably all joke aside I probably played safe on seventy and eighty mm-hmm. more times than people have had centuries mm-hmm. I mean I you know if if I carried on and wanted to make centuries I'd probably be up around the six hundred mark if I wanted but. Mm-hmm. Uh, they never really interested me. As no. soon as I get past 60, 70, unless there's a really big break on, I'm not really bothered. I'd rather just get on with the next frame. And uh, where they say I'm only not the 70s in, it, you know, they could well easily be hundreds, but mm. just not really interested. I've never really been interested in them. Mm. Um, some people are, which is fine, but I've never never been. So you never see me, you know, knocking in hundreds, two or three hundreds in a best of nine, because... Mm very rarely I'll be going for them. When you won that Welsh Open, did you think, oh, I've, I've arrived now, I've made it, or did you think, well, you know, it's only one tournament, I've got to go and try and win the next one and the next one? Well, I, I, just, I just thought, well, I couldn't believe it really, I mean, you know, it was the, I can't remember how old it was now, 20, 21 or something, mm, I, yeah. you know, I've been playing the Blackpool for a few years to qualify, eventually I got to the final, like I said, beat Parrot, and just couldn't believe it really, it was like, only dreamed about uh, winning any tournament really so when it actually come true it was you know give me a, a lot of belief thinking well if I win one surely I can, I'm good enough to win another one uh, and, and that's the way, way I felt really even after winning it probably the day after you know I'd probably forgotten really I went back mm. and, and that was the end of it Well you did carry on winning in, in the next couple of years and it takes us to the, the Masters 1998 the Wembley Conference Centre of course has since been knocked down but it was a huge uh, venue raucous crowd in, in London Big tournament. You're nine each with Stephen Hendry on a respot. How are you feeling? Um, well, you, you said I can't swear, didn't you? So <laughs> yeah, I'd rather you didn't. I'll, I'll but... have to put it. That, um, I was bricking it. Yeah. There's no, there's no doubt about it. When once the respot uh, come and we tossed up, and then I had to play my first shot. Like honestly, it's probably the only time I've ever felt my knees shaking mm. on every shot. Only the respot in black really was just the tension was just. Well, it was unbelievable. I mean, I had a couple of dings that I thought was in the double and it didn't go in and I made it more tense and nervous, but it's without doubt probably the nervous I've ever been in a mm. soccer match. I was absolutely cacking it. <laughs> I was, it was absolutely breaking it. And of course, it was a fantastic win, fantastic finish, but you had to wait a bit to get the money because they sent the cheque to a different Mark Williams, some guy in London. Yeah, they, uh, they sent, I think they sent about three or four of my cheques mm. to him and, uh, you know, I used to fall up saying, where's the money and, you know, we said, oh, you've sent it, you've had it, in your bank. Like, no, it's not. <laughs> yes, it is. And I said, no, it's not. Yeah, we've sent it weeks ago. I said, look, I haven't got it. And then I realised then they've sent it to a, a different Mark Williams. I think that's the, the reason he started putting my J in there, yeah. in the middle. Yeah. But uh, I, I'm sure with the one check, they put Mark J. Williams and still send it to him. <laughs> so uh, 
He's, yeah, there's a, there's a guy actually who's changed his name to Ronnie O'Sullivan for that very reason. But anyway, but anyway, you won the Masters. You, you went on, you won the UK Championship, and then 2000, you, you arrive at the World Championship. I guess as one of the favourites because you, you were in a lot of finals. You know, you had a great run. Yeah. You were winning tournaments. You always seemed to be in finals, semi-finals. Did can you remember thinking, you know, this is my championship, or, or was it just like another tournament? Um, well, I was just starting to get into the rhythm. Really, I was starting to win a lot of matches, uh, build up a lot of confidence, and. You know, I, you know. I suppose you could say there was, there was times that people would, may have been one or two nil down before they actually got out there. Yeah. I was playing quite well some some of the times, and uh, the more matches you win, it just grows in confidence. And and uh, you know, I was just enjoying it. I was young, I was winning matches. Obviously, winning prize money as well. It was just. It was unbelievable, really. Mm. But you looked out, didn't you? Semi-finals against John Higgins, you were down 14-10, I think, going into the last mm. session, and he was, you know, obviously was expected to win because he was in front and he was a, he was a champion himself. What are your memories of that? I, I, it, it was an incredible final session. I think he won one frame. Yeah, well, I, to be honest, I, I can't remember much about it, but I remember John doing some kind of interview somewhere, and he said, he said I got into his head or something, and I, I wouldn't shake his hand at the start, at the yeah, start like that, which. Yeah, yeah. I have no recollection of that whatsoever. Well, I think he said you, you forgot. I mean, I don't think he was suggesting, you know, you did it deliberately. Oh, just I, kind of and I just had yeah. no recollection. When I, when I heard it, I thought, well, I can't remember doing that. But obviously, if he if he thinks I did, obviously I've done it. But it was, if I did, it was never to get into anyone's head. But, uh, you know, if, if I did get into his head, the next time I'm there, I'm not going to shake his hand again. <laughs> I'm just going to walk straight past him. <laughs> was it special to play Matthew in the final? Obviously, you know, you're sort of a fellow Welshman, friend of yours. Was it was that sort of just an occasion? Um, yeah, it was. Obviously, if I remember, when we come in, he was playing, surely he was playing the, the Welsh National Anthem mm. somewhere as we come in, and there was Welsh flags flying, and it was, it was just a brilliant occasion. And, you know, it, it, it could have gone either way. He took a massive lead on me. Mm. Um, can't really remember much about pulling it back, but uh, once they got right to the very end and all the pressure come on, I, I just seemed to free up and relax. And mm. I'm lucky, really. I've never been one to suffer with that many nerves, mm. uh, very rarely. And I, I can, you know, I used to be able to play quite good under pressure. Mm. But now you're world champion. What's that like in the sort of moments afterwards? Did it sink in immediately? Um, yeah, I, I was. You know, I was I was world champion. I think went to the after party, and uh, I was there. I don't know, not long hour. The pint of milk went back to the hotel, hmm. and, and and went home. And I think it was a bit surreal, to be honest. And I didn't really celebrate probably till uh, I don't know, maybe a week or two later. Hmm. Where I think they took me, I took the cup up then down my local town and come, had a few drinks, a lot of drinks really. Got drunk, <laughs> got drunk. I never forget. Woke up and. Lost a trophy. Couldn't remember where, where I put it. Nothing. Just vanished. And uh, I, I think I phoned Will. Snuck it up. There was panicking. I phoned the, I think phoned the police station. Hey, <laughs> see if anything been handed in. Nothing. And uh, I'm just panicking all day, all day, thinking I'm gonna have to pay for this. And then my next door neighbour knocked my door uh, with the trophy. And I said, Oh God, where did you get that from? And he said, I woke up for work five o'clock in the morning. And it was just on the floor outside in the garden. <laughs> He picked it up, put it in a car, took it to work with him. Well, but uh, I wish he knocked me about half past six so I didn't have to panic. It should be said, this was the trophy that Joe Davis bought in 1927. It's not just any old trophy, this is the World Championship trophy. That was it, yeah. <laughs> so now you're the World Champion, of course, it means there's more sort of uh, call on your time, media suddenly want to talk to you and so on. How do you find that? Because, uh, as I said at the start, I don't think doing interviews is necessarily how you sort of enjoy spending your time. 
Um, no, I, I, to be honest, I don't really like doing any interviews. To be honest, I've never really have. Um, and to be honest, I'm only doing this one because as you, if it was half of the other ones, I would have told them to bugger off. Because <laughs> I'd rather just not do one really and just yeah. plod along. And because half, you know, half the ones I realised growing up that you can, you can do an interview with them and you do it, and then when it comes out, it's totally nothing like what you've said to them. They, you just twist it all around. All of a sudden, you think they've done a interview for them, and then all of a sudden you read it and you look a bit stupid with the things you're saying, and you, you haven't said it like that. And so I just rather not do any, really. But, but also, you, you've never really sort of tried to project an image, have you? you? You are yourself, you're happy with yourself, you don't try and be anything else. No, no, I, I'm, I'm just, I think I'm just the same as I was when I was... Hmm. 18, 19, I was saying, no, I have a good laugh. I'm like taking a. Um, Mickey out of people. Mickey is the best yeah. word. <laughs> like taking the Mickey out of people. And, you know, I love having the Mickey taken out of myself mm. as well. However, you know, everyone has tried to take the Mickey out of me and wind me up. And you, know, you can ask anyone, no one's succeeded yet because mm. you can say whatever you want to me. It doesn't matter anything you want and it, it doesn't bother me. It goes right over the top, top of my head. and probably come back with something that they and you were the ones uh, biked in in the end Well you went on winning, you kept on winning tournaments and uh, the 2002-03 season you won the Triple Crown you won the UK, the Masters, the World Championship I mean it kind of doesn't get much better than that does it was, did, you, did you feel invincible? I mean, it was... um, yeah probably uh, I did honestly feel every tournament I was, I was going to play in at that time uh, I, you know, I just felt I was almost guaranteed to get to at least the semis it was just a feeling I had and Wherever I played, it was just you know, big breaks. Everything was just uh, just in myself. Thought well, I'm gonna get to the you know the semis or the final, probably Higgins or Sullivan, and, and uh, you know that'd be the toughest game. And you know he was working like that for a while. Uh, you know people talk about a lot the triple crown, which is good, but they also miss. You know they don't count there, but I counted. So I had uh, I think it was the Grand Prix trophy at the same time as well. So I had all the four yeah. BBCs, but because. The one wasn't in the same year, or the I think it was the LG Cup, wasn't the it? LG Cup, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it was the Grand Prix. Yeah, the LG might have been the LG Cup. It's that, yeah, it's that event. Yeah. But I had that one as well, but no one seems to mention that because mm. it wasn't in the same calendar, or whatever. But I actually you held the four of them at the same time. Four at the yeah. same time, yeah. yeah. But you know, it never gets mentioned, even not if he says on the same calendar. You, I still held the four at the mm. same time, which. I'm not sure how many others have done that. I guess the problem, though, Mark, is that from that sort of position, the only way is down, isn't it? And and you did have like a, a couple of little slumps, and at one point, sort of lost your top sixteen place. What was that like? Having been, as you say, regular in finals, winning trophies, and all of a sudden um, you sort of going to I think Prestatic yeah, to qualify. Yeah, it was difficult. I went down to forty-seven in the world at one stage, and you know I was turning up, I was turning up to tournaments, just couldn't pot a ball really, and you know, my, to be honest, my mind wasn't. My mind wasn't uh, totally on it, to be honest. I just left my manager, my management company at the time. I won't even credit with naming them. And, uh, you know, I, that's something I should have done 20 years ago. You know, I should never have, my own fault, I should never have been there. But, uh, you know, that was the main reason I dropped on the rankings. And it took me a while to sort uh, a lot of stuff that was happening off the table, which I'm not going to go into now. I wonder when. I will do one day when you want to write my book for me. You'll have a okay. you'll have a field day, but you got my number. Yeah, but, uh, it's, I can't go into it now. But you know that was the reason my head was you know up my my arse. You can put that in, and for a few years, and I you know I was losing. I just didn't really care because I had I had more more stuff to worry about off the table than actually playing. And you know, it's still not like even now. 
I'm still not, you know, absolutely perfect, but I'm in a hell of a better position now than I was. Mm. Uh, so, and, and it's not it's improving because, you know, I'm practicing, my head's back on it more now, and uh, it's, it's getting a lot better. Mm. One thing you have always enjoyed is travelling. You know, some players get on a plane and they don't stop moaning until they get home again. But you, yeah. you always seem to, certainly in your earlier days, you always seem to just enjoy going away, took some mates with you, enjoyed yeah. it, and had a very good record <laughs> overseas, won a lot of tournaments. Yeah, well, I, you know, I, I laugh at people, you know, time they fly out, they can't wait to get back. Why go? What's the point going? You've got no chance. I mean, at the end of the day, I've, I've just been one of the ones. If I'm going to China, could be there for 10 days. Oh, that, that's life. I'll see everyone else when I come home. You know, it's a, it's a job. But mm. I, I do get a little bit now when I go out there after about five or six days. You know, I do think, like, because they, they have PTCs on the back of Thomas as well, and I, and I enter the PTCs and I sat there thinking... Oh, I shouldn't have entered. I should have gone home. Uh, you know, it's getting a lot harder because I've got kids and everything yeah. now. But you know, if I'm not going to go to a big tournament at the way, and as soon as I arrive, and look after the other players, oh, I can't wait to get home. I mean, you get home when you get home. I mean, if I lose, if I lose, the first thing I'll do is get home. You know, uh, but I don't even think about coming home until I lose. Mm. Otherwise, there's no point going. You've lost before you start. Mm. Well, I think that's probably why. I have got a good record overseas. I won a lot of tournaments. Do, uh, do, does losing hurt you, Mark? Because you've always seemed to me to take it sort of in your stride. I've never really seen not you really. really upset, you know, really angry. Not really. Um, you know, I've always said the worst thing can happen is I lose. That's it. That is the, the worst thing can happen. And I've always had that attitude. And, you know, you can pick on, you can pick on your, your hand, your one hand, uh, the amount of times I've been really... Uh, really upset about losing. Uh, nothing really comes to my mind. Really, the only one I can think of at this moment of time is when Ali Carter beat me nine eight. I think in the, mm. I think it was the UK or something, and I was in and I had a massive kick on the last red to win nine eight. I missed it, and you know I was a bit cheesed off for that one, but very rare I get mm. down on myself. Not really. I mean, I mean, you can watch me play. If I win a close match or lose a close match. You can see me walking off. You you'll never tell if I won or lost by seeing me walk out or talk to me unless you ask me the score because mm. I don't really show it that much. Mm. But after you won the, the the second world title, two thousand and three, as I say, you were sort of you were very much the world number one lead when everything. Did you in your own mind think, well, I'm going to carry on winning this or maybe get three or four? Overs? Did you think of it like that? Uh, I think after the second one, I, I, well, it's so easy to take your foot off the gas. You know, mm. you you're winning a lot of tournaments and even when you're losing, you're still getting the the semis, finals, and stuff like that, and you know, I probably took my foot off the gas by not realising it. And you know, when when your form does start to slip, it's very difficult to stop yourself sliding down the rankings, which I found out a couple of times. I've gone, you know, down to twenty odd again, and it was hard to stop that slide. And you know, I know how to stop the slide, but it's, it's very difficult and to get yourself motivated to get back in the club, mm. practice as much as you need to. To get back up the rankings. How how far off now do you think you are? You're sort of you're the best game that you were at maybe ten years ago. Oh, no in here. Mm. Yeah, I can't even can't even compare it to be honest. Uh, you know, I I can I've accepted now. I can go out there and I can I can miss or oh, absolutely anything. Some of the easiest balls, you know, a, a local club player couldn't miss down a club. I I can miss it, and I've accepted that now. And and when I do miss them. As a few years ago, I was get, I was getting annoyed and frustrated, but now it don't even bother me anymore. I'll go back to my chair, sit down, and think. Well, 
I knew I was going to miss something easy sooner or later, and just and it's gone again, which used to happen years ago, ten years ago. If I miss something easy, be forgotten about, and it's happening now. I I just totally uh, not worry about it anymore. And and honestly, God, I go out there, and if I win, brilliant. If I get beat, I can honestly say, man, I'm out. I do not give a monkeys. Okay. People like me always compare your career to. Ronnie O'Sullivan and John Higgins because obviously you all came up together same age turned pro at the same time uh, do you compare yourself to other players do you think oh he's you know he's won this amount I've won this amount or is it just you're happy with what you've done in your own sort of career um, yeah if, if I was to look back on it I'd be more than happy with what I'd done you know I mean uh, there's no getting away from it I think if I won about the same time or bumped into O'Sullivan as many times as I did I think I probably would have won at least another two world titles and you know, obviously a few other tournaments as well along the way, um, but you know, I, I've come through uh, in an era which, which I probably think is two of the best players there ever to play. And you know, you're never going to get anyone better than North Sullivan. And I mean, you can't compare the the standard at the top now to what it was back then with them mm. two playing. And obviously, had Endry as well with Steve Lee. Had so many Paul and mm. Matthew Stevens, but. Uh, I mean, the top four back end was I think me, Andrew, Higgins, and O'Sullivan, and you know they were hard sweet to try and nick tournaments off. So I nicked a few tournaments, you know, while they were still all there playing mm. at their best. Maybe Andrew just gone past it, but O'Sullivan and Higgins, you, I mean, they're unbelievable. I mean, he's still two of the best players in the world now, and they, mm. they're bloody forty. Mm. And uh, people, would, I think, would be interested. You know, are you friends, the three of you? Because you always sort of bracketed together. But uh, uh, I mean, at um, the end of the day, you're still rivals on the table, aren't you? Yeah, I mean. Friends, is in like not really, you know. I mean, I speak to, uh, you know, I I grew up with John, uh, and stuff like that. You know, there's Ronnie that I got every credit for him, and and selfishly he's a on the table. He's unbelievable, but. Would I go for a drink with him off the table? Would I, hell? <laughs> but one man you are friends with is Stephen Hendry, of course. And, I mean, he, throughout his career, he sort of kept himself to himself, didn't he? But I think you, in a way, brought him brought him out of his shell a bit because you, you were his, or still are his good friend. Yeah, he's, I, I, he's probably the the one I uh, was always, because we was managed with the same company and we was always flying together. And and uh, I don't know why, he, we just get on, really. We mm. was just, you know, he likes a, a good wind-up and a good laugh. You know, he... He may come across as a bit miserable, and which he is probably miserable, really. He's just, <laughs> I can make him smile now and again, you know, but uh, he is quite a miserable kid. But uh, we've always had a good laugh, and, uh, you know, he normally tries to keep himself to himself, really, at tournaments. Um, but, uh, you know, every time I see him, uh, you know, I won't let him have any peace to himself. I'll go over there and straight, go straight on him, wind him up about something, no matter what it is. Mm. And we've just always gone on. But now, of course, you have Twitter as well because you, how you yeah. are on Twitter is how you've been on the circuit the last twenty years. Basically, yeah. is the, sort of the constant joking around. I mean, you obviously enjoy your time on on there. Yeah, I love it, but it's getting me into trouble. <laughs> I mean, you know, I've, oh, I've I've said a couple of things on there which I don't think was as bad as people made out, and got heavily fined for it. Uh, I've got a, a few letters warning saying I can't do this, I can't say that, I can't say that, but. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty much. What you get on Twitter is pretty, pretty much how I am. Yeah. As far as I can be, uh, going by the guidelines of World Snooker. Really, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, if if the only thing I, I don't put on it, I'm not up to swear and stuff like that, and maybe a bit, a bit controversial and stuff like that. But most of it's 
you, you see me on there is, is what I am in real life, really. Yeah. Which is what they say they want. They say they want the players to reject the personalities. But do you do you, do you regret what you said about the Crucible that time? Um, yeah, I only regret it because it cost me four grand. <laughs> I mean, obviously, if I'd known it was going to cause that much of a stir, I would never have said it, obviously. Yeah. But you know, I, I never said it uh, being derogatory to the Crucible or anything mm. like that. You know, it just I said it's sort of a bit of a laugh, really, mm. and, a, and a joke. But obviously, I found out it, it wasn't a laugh or joke. And four grand later, I'm thinking, why did I say that for? But you know, I. Do you think I, d- I said something worth a four grand fine in it? Come on. I don't think it was worth f- four thousand. I think the problem is everyone's sense of humour is different, isn't it? And some people would have seen it for what it was. It, it's just Mark being Mark. Other people think, oh, you know, it's the Crucible. You can't you can't say that. Um, you, did, you didn't actually swear. You actually we, we won't say what you what you saw. Yeah, yeah. But the, but there were some asterisks in there. I think I think it was possibly the timing that, that counted against you because it was right oh, before yeah. the World Championship. Was um, it the day before? Yeah. Well, yeah, the day before, but. Uh, but you're, you're you're there to stay on Twitter, are you? You're not you're not sort of you haven't considered sort of backing away from it. No, it? no. no I, I mean, like I said, after, since that one, that's the only time I've really got into trouble, and I've been uh, you know quite careful on it. I'm still, you know, everyone who tweets me or or whatever, I, I do get some idiots on their mm. mind, which uh, which I love. Really, they come on and abusing <laughs> me, saying this, that, and the other, swearing and. You know, give me 15 minutes back and I'm abusing them and they, they delete their account then and they're the ones trying to wind me up and I end up making them delete their account or blocking me which I find that brilliant you know they come on trying to have a go at me I go back and then they block me great yeah, yeah. well you're 40 now Mark you're the world seniors champion as, as we record this what, you know your career's not over you're in the, still in the top 16 you're still competing but do you have sort of future ambitions in terms of what you wanna, still want to achieve um, I'd, obviously I'd, I'd love to win another world title Realistically, is it's not going to happen, but that would be my my one one dream. I mean, if I can win any other tournament, now ranking tournament, it'd be you know a bonus for me. Really, uh, I've still got the game to do some damage and beat you know good runs and beat anyone. Really, I'm still good enough to beat anyone, but I'm not consistent enough as I used to be. And you know, my long game is quite poor to be honest. But you know, I still got the determination and I try 100% wherever I play. And uh, you know I'll keep, I'll keep going. It's, uh, it's a bit unfair calling me the world seniors champion. Really, I, just, I wasn't even old enough to be in it. No, but you did win it. Well, <laughs> in fairness. Yeah, but look who I had to beat. You know, I mean, John Parrott. I mean, he is old, isn't he? He is a senior. <laughs> well, you're at least you're out now, old enough to defend it. You're now yeah, 40, no, so I might not even bother turning up this year. <laughs> but it was still nice to win. It was still nice to go there and uh, you know see. People like Joe Johnson and Dennis Taylor come out in his Zimmer frames and <laughs> hit about 300 cushions per frame. No balls going anywhere near the pockets. I mean, I used to watch it before I was in it, and I used to just look at it and go, you know, some of these commentators just slag us off, and look at these playing by us. In so many cushions, I'd love to be commentating on. Oh, if Joe Johnson playing Dennis Taylor, I'd love to commentate on that and get my revenge. I was going to ask you actually. I mean, commentary. You know, a lot of ex-world champions do end up doing it. Is that something that you think you would like to do? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, once I do, I think once I do finish, finish playing. I, my personal is I don't want nothing to do with the game whatsoever. Right. I just want to finish, go away, and, and you'll never see me again. Mm-hmm. You, know, I won't, I won't turn up to any times. That's it. That'll be it. Whether or not that'll happen, I don't know. To be honest, mm-hmm. um, commentary. It's a tough one because if I did try it for a couple of days, or if I don't know, just say you want me to do the Welsh Open for a week or something like that, um, 
it'd be very hard because I wouldn't want to, you know, all joking aside, I wouldn't want to end up sounding like sounding like people like Joe Johnson and Mike Allen who who played a game when I stand in themselves and, and I'm watching and I swear they accommodate on a different table to what I'm watching sometimes and I think, what are they on about? And if I'd done that, I wouldn't want to go down the road of, of coming across like not knowing what I'm talking about, you know. I mean, Stephen Envy's gone here and like a duck to water. He's been unbelievable. Just There's no stories with him. He just says what he what he sees. And, and there was a breath of fresh air the other day when I heard, I was listening to Ronnie and John Higgins on Eurosport. Mm. In, I think it was the UK, was it? Yeah. And it was, it was so refreshing to watch them. And, you know, Ronnie, he was quite blunt at times, but some of the stuff he was saying was, was really good and you've got to take note when he's saying because he's done everything and he's still playing well he's still the best player in the world so it was it was totally different listening to them and uh, you know, I really enjoyed it I think mm. sat on the sofa while he was doing it's a lot easier I think than actually being in the commentary box Okay, so just to, to wrap up then I mean you, you seem very content Mark still within yourself when you look back in your career you must be more than satisfied with what you've achieved Oh yeah without doubt I mean I've never Never thought I would have done not even a third of what, what I have achieved. And, you know, if I look back on it, whatever I Thomas, I have won, whatever I've done, I, you know, in my opinion, I've probably done it to, of uh, the best standard around at the yeah. top, you know, ever. And, you know, that, that gives me you know, good good satisfaction that I've achieved something. Uh, we're probably two of the best, or well, three of the best players ever to live. Mm. Excellent. Well, thanks a lot for doing this. And I think the good news is there won't be any fines. I think we got through it without any fines. So, so. I, I can make up. Yeah, no, I'm going pr- to I'm, I'm press stop. I want to say thanks to Mark for his company and thanks to everyone for listening. Cheers. Sports Social Podcast Network.